Father and our God, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of standing in the outdoor chapel to give you praise one more time. Thank you for the praise team and their reminder to us to give ourselves away, to surrender all. Thank you, O oh God, for the saints of old who came before us to teach us the more excellent way. We love you today. It's preaching time now. Would you breathe on us? Open our eyes and our ears that we may hear and see what the Spirit has to say to the church. In the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus, we pray. Would y'all help me sing it the old way? I surrender all. Oh, I surrender all. All to Jesus. said amen. I don't know about y'all, but there's a sweet spirit out here today. Oh, and it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Grace and joy to you, family. If you will open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. There is a, a text there for us as we continue our exegetical work in the gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 11, verse 14. For those of you who are online, thank you for being with us this morning and on land. We are the New Beginnings Community Baptist Church. We strive to be an expository teaching and preaching church. And that means we believe in preaching in the entire book of the Bible, books and chapters at a time, comma by comma and line by line. Our walk this year has us preaching in the gospel according to Luke. So come and join us and study God's word with us on today. Luke 14, verse 23. Thank you, praise team. Verse, Luke 11, rather, sorry. Verse 14. Luke 11, verse 14. Amen. And he was casting out a demon. And it was mute. And so it was when the demon had gone out that the mute spoke and the multitudes they marveled mm -hmm. but some of them said he cast out demons by Beelzebub right, the ruler 
of the demons. Others, testing him, sought from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And a house divided against a house will fall. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, then surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man fully armed guards his own place, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and he overcomes him, he takes from him all of his armor in which he is trusted in and he divides his spoils. He who is not with me is against me. Y'all hear it? And he who does not gather with me scatters. And all God's people said, today I want to tag this message for you. Jesus and the difficulty of ministry. Jesus and the difficulty of ministry. You may be seated. Family, it's the year of opposition. Yes, sir. The haters are on the move. They are lurking everywhere. And they are consistently speaking out against Jesus, opposing his message, opposing his ministry, and opposing his methods of building the kingdom. It's a tragic scene in our text today, for he just delivered the man who was held captive by the underworld. And instead of celebrating that Jesus had given him new life, the haters were actively discrediting him, rejecting him, impeding his progress, and talking about his power to set the captives free. And there are three things in this text I want to argue for you today. Number one, I want to argue about the master's opposition. Number two, the master's omniscience. And number three, the master's observation. Let me unpack these for you as they will help you to discern the word of God and what the spirit of God is saying to the church. 
Verse 14, keep your Bibles open there. The Bible says, and he was casting out a demon. And the demon was mute. In other words, it wouldn't let the man speak. And so it was, when the demon had gone out of the man, the man spoke. And the multitudes who were watching marveled. But some of them said, he cast out demons by Beelzebub, who was the ruler of the demons. Other people in the crowd testing him, they sought for a sign from him. Let's unpack the text. Beloved, when we come to this portion of the text, we first discover Jesus in the year of opposition is still on the move. Reverend Baldry, he just finished casting out the demon out of this man and giving him his voice and his language back. When some in the multitude saw this, marveled at his power and the ability to change people's lives, their circumstances, and their situations, other people saw something else. Are you in here? They didn't see the good he was doing, but they saw what they thought was bad. I call these haters in the crowd. That they, they would not rejoice in life being born again. They would not rejoice that somebody who was once hurting had now been made whole. That's what you call a real hater. When somebody can't rejoice when God is doing something good in your life. Can I say some more? These were opposers. They, they were those who did not care for the things of God. They would rather see somebody under the power of the evil one than see somebody set free by God himself. I feel like preaching today. Secondly, what we see in the text is that they had, Reverend Tong, what I call was a theory about what Jesus had just did. They didn't have the fact. Their theory was they thought he did it with witchcraft. For they said he cast out devils by the power of devils. In fact, they accused him of being the servant of Beelzebub. Beelzebub was an ancient Palestinian deity who was known for being evil, filthy, and said to be the devil in all of his splendor. Thirdly, we see that they were not only haters and gossipers and liars and skeptics in the crowd, but there were pseudo-sign seekers. What do you mean? These were people who were always looking for Jesus to do something new. They were always looking for the latest and the greatest miracle. Are you with me here? And so nothing that Jesus did was ever enough. They always needed another sign. I think I'm going somewhere today. They always needed a new miracle. Something that was bigger and greater than the ones they already saw. Y'all gonna help me pull this train today. 
New Beginnings I stopped by to tell you if Jesus had people like this in his day you know you're going to have them in your day in other words they're going to always be Donna Rochelle somebody to accuse your good of being evil they're going to always be somebody to criticize what the Lord is doing in you and doing through you. There's going to always be somebody to talk evil about your ministry success. Make no doubt about it, family. Some people, you ain't going to never be able to win over. Why, Pastor? Because they will always need another sign. You a Christian, huh? Show me something. Never mind the fact that you didn't show them you ain't hitting them upside the head no more. You didn't already show them you ain't living the same way no more. Are you with me here? Here it is. I don't care how great a work you do, how much success you display, how big your name or your fame gets. They go always need another sign. And they do this because ministry opposition always comes to those, watch this now, who work for Christ, who love Christ, who live for Christ, and who have given up all to follow him. I want to help somebody in this pandemic. You say, man, I can't get ahead for getting knocked down. It's supposed to happen. I want to help encourage somebody who's discouraged that you're not seeing no fruit in this season. You wonder why your good is being spoken evil of. It's supposed to happen. Are you listening here? The story is told of a great missionary to Africa, Brother David Livingstone. It said that this missionary in the 1800s was so tenacious for Christ. Watch this, y'all. He walked over 29,000 miles to take the gospel to tribes and villages that had never heard it before. But not only that, but David Livingstone lost the love of his life at an early age. He was an Irishman or rather a Scottishman, and he was hated by the Scottish because he decided to love the Africans. Not only that, his wife died, he was hated by his family, but number three, he was half blind. And he had all of this opposition while he was living for God, working for God, serving God in a fallen world. Can I tell you something here? That man becomes one of my many heroes. Because Brother Ed, no matter what were the odds against him, he stayed focused in serving the Christ. And in fact, as I serve this great church as your pastor, as I serve my loving queen as her husband, and my sons as their dad, I'm focused to be the best husband, daddy, pastor, I can be regardless of the opposition that comes my way. You realize some people don't like me because I'm tall, dark, and handsome. Some people don't like me because I say for Christ I live and for Christ I die. Who would hate something like this? That's all I'm trying to say. 
And you can say it about yourself too. Come on, pat yourself on the back. I know you look good. Because when God made you, he broke the mold. Come on, talk to me. Come on, somebody say self. Ain't nobody fine like you. Come on, talk to me this morning. And so you're going to have people that hate you just because they hate you. Can I say some more? I like this right here because it teaches me who would hate the son of God? Who would hate the one who came down to redeem mankind? Who would hate the one that just cast a demon out of this man? Yet they did it anyway. And if they did it to Jesus, tell your neighbor they're going to do it to you. We've looked at the master's opposition. Let's look now at the master's omniscience. In verse 17, the Bible said, uh -huh. Jesus heard them thinking and talking, but he knowing their thoughts uh -huh. said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And a house divided against a house is going to fall. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? And because you say, I cast out demons by Beelzebub, if I cast them out by Beelzebub, who do your sons cast them out with? Therefore, your son's going to be your judge. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, then surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Can I unpack this for you today? Oh, I'm happy. Beloved, when we arrive at this portion of the text, you and I get the divine privilege to see what I call is the omniscient mind of God. Okay. What do you mean? It's the all-knowing factor that a holy God possesses the ability to know what you're thinking and to know what you're saying when you think he don't know what you're thinking and what you're saying. Holler at me, somebody. Holler, watch what you're thinking. Jesus is all-knowing. And so guess what? Did you know, Liz? He knows everything about you all the time. I don't care if you online or on land. He knows your thoughts. And what he does in this text is he opens up their wicked ideas and paints them on the canvas of their hearts. I, here it is. He exposes, John, their doctrine and their worldview about the devil and the kingdom of God. First of all, he says, if I was working for the devil, that would mean that his house was divided. And you know that any house divided against himself one stand. Y'all catch it? He just said, I just whooped the devil and pulled him out of this man. Y'all talking about I'm employed by him? Secondly, he said, if I just cast out a demon by the power of a demon, then what power do your sons cast him out with? Here it is. In other words, do your sons who believe in me also work for the devil? Do your sons who follow my ministry techniques take their orders from the devil? Are you saying, crowd, 
that everybody who makes the devil behave is employed by the devil? That don't make no sense. Third of all, in his omniscience, Jesus served them notice that they don't know what they believe, how to believe, who to believe, or when to believe. In fact, it's their unbelief and their inability to trust him as the Messiah that has their minds twisted their hearts corrupted, and their attitudes all jacked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus, with his omniscient mind, exposes their misunderstanding about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. I love what he said in verse 20. Can I read it for you? But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, then surely, somebody say surely. The kingdom of God has come upon you. In other words, y'all can't tell the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Here it is. What y'all saw was the kingdom of God on display and the kingdom of Satan being defeated. And now I've served you notice again that the kingdom of God has come upon you. Can I say some more? Oh, beloved, if there was one thing we need to be mindful of today, Roy, it's the truth that the kingdom of God is always on display. Can I say some more? We can see it daily if you'll keep your hearts and your minds on the king of glory. If you take your eyes off of Jesus, you're going to put it on the kingdom of Satan. And all you will be thinking about is the destruction and the decay that you see in the world today. But when you put your mind on the kingdom of God, you're going to see God doing stuff you ain't never seen him do before. And here it is. Here it is. Change your focus. That's all I'm trying to say. Change your focus. Why? Because Jesus, hey, is crushing satanic activity all around us. And he's doing it all the time. And he's doing it in every direction. I got proof. Anybody want to hear it? You say, how how you know, Pastor? Because Jesus, the omniscient mind of God, right? The all-knowing God is the word of God. And that word became flesh. His omniscience is present in the word of God. And every time we handle the word, it crushes the satanic opposition in your mind. Every time, that's good, that's just good. Every time we digest the word, it dismantles the satanic thoughts. Every time we yield to the word, it exposes the dark area of our lives uh -huh, uh -huh. and leads us into the ever bright paths of the Savior. Every time we lean on the word, hey, we trust it. Every time we believe it, hold it, submit to it, love it, give it, meditate on it. Guess what it does? It demolishes the activity of the underworld at work trying
Jesus. That was just good to me in the study. I chewed on that all week. Y'all in here? The word of God is the omniscient mind of God. This is how come you could be having the worst day of your life, pull up some scriptures, and all of a sudden your thinking change. Why, it's supernatural. The word of God is the mind of God. And when you get the mind of God, your behind will change. Come on, say that again. Y'all catch it? I used to say it back in the day. Uh, if you change your mind, you're behind a follow. Yeah, yeah. What you mean? Well, you got to have the mind of God. It's the word of God that helps you to get rid of those old addictive behaviors. Right, right, right. Somebody said, uh, I don't cuss like I used to. Yeah. Because the word will make you change. I don't think like I used to. Because the word will make you change. It's the omniscient mind of God. And beloved, you ought to use it. You ought to use it to work for you in your ministry, on the job, in the home, in this COVID world. You ought to use it to fight against depression when she tries to call up, crawl up in the bed with you. Tell you don't get up this morning. Are you with me here? When she trying to tell you don't comb your hair, don't brush your teeth, don't get dressed, keep on the stuff you had on the last three days. You ought to tell her no girl, not today. And pull up the mind of God. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Can I tell you something? Depression can't handle the omniscient mind of God. <laughs> I feel like preaching, Dre. Oh, that's good news right through there. I said, that's good news right through there. You ought to try it. Amen. Like a good soul physician, take two scriptures and call me in the morning. I guarantee you, everything is going to be all right. We've looked at the opposition of the master. We've looked at the master's omniscience. Let's land the plane now, looking at the master's observation. The text says in verse 21, when a strong man who is fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than him comes, overtakes him, he takes from him his armor in which he trusted and he divides his spoils. And then Jesus said this in his observation. Brother Gray, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. As we say in the hood, he took his foot and drew a line in the sand. If you ain't on this side, you my enemy. Y'all in here? Can I unpack it, Caleb? Look, when you come to this, beloved, you get to see in this portion of the text what I call as a divine observation. Jesus, in his omniscient mind, observes the haters, the skeptics, and their inability to trust or rather to truly understand what just took place. So he unveils an illustration to attempt to explain a heavenly truth 
with an earthly example. He said, when a man who is strong in every way guards his house, he feels that his stuff is protected until somebody stronger than him comes in, Sean, and jacks him and takes all his stuff. Are you with me here? Jesus is saying, Satan was the strong man running earth until I showed up. Y'all, somebody should have been shouting right there. He had that man in verse, in verse 14 captive, but a stronger than him showed up. Are you with me here? Took back the man's vocal cords. Took back the man's vocabulary. And cast the devil out. Can I tell you, Satan is no competition for God. I need to say it right here. If he was a competitor, he'd have to weigh in on the scales of sovereignty. Y'all missed it. Let me say it this way. Any fighter in the ring's got to weigh in to make sure he's of equal caliber. Who you know can weigh in with omnipotence? Who you know is in Yahweh's weight class? Who you know can stand toe to toe and throw blows with the God of the universe? I said like that old psalmist and poetess, your arm's too short to box with God. So Satan is not an opponent. He can be a hater. He can be an opposer, but he can't be no opponent. Are y'all in here now? I like, secondly, Jesus teaches in this illustration that there are two sides in this cosmic warfare. Yeah, there's two sides. He said the devil is on one side and the Lord is on the other. And here it is, Aaron. Everybody's got to choose whose side you on. Uh-oh, here it comes. He who is not with me is against me. And then he said, I'll say it another way. If you're not helping me to gather, then you're trying to scatter. Okay, let me unpack it. Jesus is saying, if you guys in this crowd are not helping me to gather people into the kingdom of God, then you're helping the devil to scatter people from the kingdom of God. Y'all in here? Can I turn the light on? Everybody has got to choose who you're going to be down with. You can't say I'm neutral or what's the other, the political party? I'm an independent. No. You can't say I'm my own man or woman. You can't say I'm on the fence. No, according to Jesus, you're either a gatherer or a scatterer. You're either gathering people to God or you're driving them away from God. Did you catch it? Well, I'm closing now. But there's a question on the floor of the outdoor chapel today. The question is, whose side are you on? Whose team will you join? Whose family will you be a part of? Whose name will you claim? Whose kingdom will you represent? Whose theology will you embrace? Who is on the Lord's side? 
who is on the side yes. of righteousness, who is on the side of holiness, who is on the side, Trina, of love, grace, mercy, peace, joy, long-suffering, forgiveness, and rest in him. Who's on the winning side? Who's on the side of the one who has all power of heaven and earth in his hand? Sean, I remember the first day of seventh grade. I was coming home from Henry Clay Junior High, the gangster's metropolis of South Central Los Angeles for middle schoolers. On my way home, I was being pursued by a hostile crowd called the 112th Street Hoover Crips. You see, the problem was I lived in the 120th and Raymond Avenue Crip neighborhood. I'll never forget that posse rolled up on me boundary and said, whose side are you on? I tried to say I'm, I'm not down with anybody. And you know what they did? They whooped my gluteus maximus. And as they would beat me up on the first day of school, I heard in the distance the pitter-patter of another rival enemy. It was the Raymond Crips, some big brothers to friends I played baseball with. They saw me getting whooped by the neighborhood enemies. And they came to my rescue. And when they came to my rescue, I made my mind up that day whose side I was on. And I don't know about you, but somebody has been whooped by the devil. Somebody has been threatened to end your life. But Jesus has come down from glory to stop the satanic activity in your life and to rescue you from the evil one. So let me ask this again. Whose side are you on? I'm closing now, but if I were you, I'd get on the side of the one who never lost a battle. I'd get on the side of the creator of all creation. I'd get on the side of the Alpha and the Omega. I'd get on the side of the one who created the heavens and the earth. I hear music. I'd get on the side of the sustainer of everlasting life. I'd get on the side of the omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent one. If I were you, I'd get on the side of the one who scooped out the valleys, carved out the mountains, and laid out the meandering streams. If I were you, I'd get on the side of the one who paints stripes on the zebra, lays the trunk on the elephant, puts the buzzing in the bees. If I were you, I'd get on the one who made the seahorse, the hammerhead shark, the little bitty goldfish, 
I get on the side of the magnificent one who just stated in the womb of a little virgin girl, passed through 42 generations, walked the dusty streets of Palestine, gave sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf. If I were you, I'd choose the one who has no opponents. I choose the one who came and died at a hill called Calvary. Yes, I would. I'd make up my mind to choose the one who died that I might have eternal life. Didn't he die? They stretched him high and they dropped him low. I choose the one who gave up his life that I might have everlasting life. I'm closing now. Can you help me close? He died. Didn't he die? He died. Didn't he die? They put the body in another man's tomb. Are you ready? And early. 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 Sunday morning, got up from the dead with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. Now ain't God all right? Ain't God all right? I'll ask him one more time, who's on the Lord's side? And somebody over here on the Lord's side say yeah, say yeah, say yeah. And he alright. Did he wake you up this morning? Did he put running in your feet? Did he put waving in your hand? Ain't he alright? Ain't he alright? Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. I was raised in a little Pentecostal church. And I remember them grandmothers singing a song. They said, I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me that I'm singing. Oh, they would say, and I'm saved and sanctified, cause Jesus lifted me. Oh, I'm saved and
Thank you.